Good morning, friends. Well, today's topic, attunement, is the center of the center of the spiritual path, but we'll get into that. First, I want to read this from Whispers from Eternity. Master Mariner, come take charge of my boat. Oh, Father, my little raft of meditation is floating toward thy shore. Though buffeted by furious storms of distraction and heaving waves on the sea of my mind rise and fall tumultuously, yet I am heading steadfastly toward thy shore. O oh, Master Mariner, come, take charge of my vote. I read that in meditation, as Davy and I have said before, we have this habit of reading from a whispers toward the end of meditation and then meditating on that. And I read that and it was so absolutely perfect for my meditation. My meditation had been drifting on the seas of distraction and tumultuous restlessness. And I'd been trying to do my best to get that little raft moving toward the shore, but I was having problems with it, let's face it. So that prayer of Master Mariner, come and take charge of my boat, take charge of my raft and bring it to your shore, was absolutely perfect. You know, I don't know if you've ever been on a raft or made a raft. We did that as boys, as there's a tendency to do. You know, you tie some logs, or in this case, some boards together and lash them together, and then um, you put them on a body of water, and you get on that raft. And frankly, the making of the raft is a whole lot more fun than being on the raft. Once you're there, you can't do very much with the raft. You know, it's, it just sits there, and you, you don't have any more propulsion there. I much preferred it when I was uh, a, a, in seventh and eighth grade. I was a uh, counselor at a Boy Scout camp, and there we had canoes and taught canoeing. And so I much preferred the canoe where you had a paddle and you could drive it under your own power. Actually, the real fun was not using a paddle with the canoe. The real fun was what we called gunnel jumping. That is where you stand on the, the gunnels are the two rails at, at the top of the canoe. And you stand toward the back with a foot on each rail, and then you bounce up and down. And that propels the canoe through the water. And you can actually get it going faster than if you were uh, paddling it. But we had to do it where the bosses couldn't catch us because it was hard on the canoes. But it, I digress a little here. I'm going to read this again because it's so pertinent to what we're talking about today. Oh, Father, my little raft of meditation is floating toward thy shore though buffeted by furious storms of distraction and heaving waves on the sea of my mind rise and fall tumultuously, yet 
I am headed steadfastly toward thy shore. O master mariner, come, take charge of my boat. That's a very good one to pray either before or in the midst. It's short and obviously uh, the imagery is, is just perfect. But if you find yourself, and Davy and I get so many questions as we travel around and speak about probably the biggest question or most often asked question is, my mind is restless during meditation. How, how can I work with that? Well, you, there are many ways, but use this. Pray to God to come and actually help you in the movement of your desire, your little raft of desire to move toward God. That chant that we did, reveal thyself as we took that into meditation. That's more than just a chant. It is, of course, a chant, but it is one of the two highest prayers of Master. Master said, reveal, to pray to the Lord, reveal thyself, reveal thyself to me, that I may reveal thyself to all. He said, that's the highest prayer. Actually, he said, there are two highest prayers. I'll come back to that. But that prayer of reveal thyself, you know, we can think of that as reveal thyself. Oh, Krishna, appear to me, or Divine Mother, manifest in a vision and come to me. But that's an interim thing. What happens if you do see a vision of Divine Mother or do see a vision of Krishna? Why do you want to see a vision of Krishna? Why do you want to see Divine Mother or, or Master? Only because they will help change your consciousness. And so, yes, reveal thyself. It's fine to pray to have Divine Mother or the Lord reveal, thyself, reveal himself, herself in a form, but God is consciousness. The real prayer of reveal thyself is let me feel, reveal within me my own state of consciousness of union with thee. Reveal to myself thee within myself in that state of consciousness. And then as Master said, reveal that state of consciousness and then let me share that consciousness with all. Swami occasionally was asked for, by people for a mantra. You know, our path doesn't really have um, the practice of receiving a mantra. Usually it's a Sanskrit phrase that you repeat over and over. Um, we don't have that so much as we have Kriya Yoga as our primary technique. So Swami would occasionally be asked for a mantra. And he didn't give mantras in the traditional sense. But if somebody really wanted something, a kind of a focal point for their mental processes, then he would say, well, repeat, reveal thyself. Over and over again, reveal thyself. Or repeat, Om Guru, Om Guru, over and over. Both of those are pertinent to this 
topic of attunement. Attunement is so absolutely essential. You know, obviously, we're trying to sail our little raft toward the shores of enlightenment. If we weren't doing that, if we weren't interested in that, we wouldn't be uh, a part of Ananda. We wouldn't be interested in uh, listening to a talk on how to get to that uh, state of enlightenment, self-realization um, more efficiently. It just wouldn't interest us. So we're trying to get there. But, but it really begins by awakening within our own heart the desire for that state. That's why uh, Sri Yukteswar said that one cannot take the first step on the spiritual path without awakening love. So the love of the heart, what the love of the heart, Master explained that love is the force uh, in, within God that attracts one to want that. And, the, and so we have to respond by awakening love within our own self. And so that desire for, um, for union with God, that is the first step to awaken that desire. And in fact, perhaps the most important part is to continue to enhance and um, feed the flame of that desire to unite with God, because everything else is subsidiary to that. Everything else is meant in order to help fulfill that desire. But if you don't have the desire in the first place, obviously you're not going to fulfill it. So everything is around awakening that love, the desire, the yearning for God, and to keep it alive. So reveal thyself, reveal thyself as a mantra throughout the day, or Om Guru. And, and then Master said that there were two highest prayers. The second highest prayer was, I will reason, I will will, and I will act. But guide thou my reason, will, and activity to the right path in everything. I used to think, um, well, why should there be two highest prayers? Kind of like, can he make up his mind? Let him choose, give us the one. Well, that kind of, you know, blinded uh, either this or that kind of thinking as part of the problem. You know, with a little bit of reflection, you can see that reveal thyself, reveal thyself is the goal. Reveal that, let me arrive at that state of consciousness, which is thyself. But the other prayer, the other highest prayer, is how do I get there? Well, let's attune all of our reason, all of our will, and all of our activity toward that one goal. I will reason, I will will, I will act. But you guide you guide my reason, will, and activity. That's attunement. We're praying to God to 
God through master, through our chosen path, to guide our reason, will, and activity so that it keeps pointing us toward them. Um, if you think also about this prayer, reason, will, activity, these are the main, one might say, functions of consciousness, and they become, by extension, the paths of yoga, jnana yoga, uh, raja yoga, and bhakti, uh, uh, karma yoga, and bhakti yoga. But coming back, will is in some ways the most central of them. Master said that will is desire plus energy directed at a goal. And so using that will is, that's how we can move a muscle, that's how we can speak, it's how we can eat, it's everything that we do begins with an act of will, desire, and then we energize in order to, we have to send energy in a practical way in order to complete that desire, to fulfill that desire. And so that will is important to be able to function. And God, one of the central tenets of the path of the Vedic teachings is that at the point at which we arrive as in the long incarnational journey um, of evolution of consciousness, when we arrive at the state where we're in the uh, form of a human being with its more advanced uh, nervous system, especially astral nervous system, then we're given the blessing and the curse of free will. Up until the human level, um, there isn't free will as such. It's instinctual behavior, and therefore there is not also the accumulation of individual karma. A tiger acting out of uh, instinctual desire, killing a, a fawn, doesn't incur bad karma from that because he doesn't have a choice about that. But you and I, if we went out hunting and shot a fawn, we would incur bad karma because we have a choice to do that or not to do that. And so our, our blessing and our curse is that as human beings, we have the ability to direct our free will, direct our choices. And we can make choices that either bring us toward in our little raft, toward that sea of enlightenment, or we can make choices that say, you know, all this kind of heaving waves of restlessness, and it's kind of fun. I think I'll stay out here and surf around in the ocean with my little raft of delusion. And, um, and we get to do that for just as long as we want. But there comes a time when, frankly, we get seasick and we want to get to the shores. And at that time, we want then to say, I'm tired of directing my own will. I'm not doing a very good job of it. 
please, you come and guide. You're the master mariner. Master, you're the guide. You're the one who has achieved that state of unity with the divine. God has revealed himself, revealed herself to you. You're in that state of consciousness. You guide my free will. I attune my free will to your God-guided will. Why is that important? Because we don't guide ourselves very well. We think we have free will. We don't have free will. We have uh, the habitual patterns. We have the influences of the world around us. Um, you know, CNN, Fox News, Facebook, they aren't going to guide us toward the shores of enlightenment. And so we're always being influenced by something around us and we're influenced and directed, guided by our old scars, our old past habits, but we're trying to get beyond that. But you can't lift yourself up by your own bootstraps. You need help to ascend. And so that help comes by us deeply and sincerely wanting to have our free will. Yes, we have to participate, but we want that participation to be guided by the divine. And those two in combination represent the whole of the spiritual path. Now, which is more important? The use of our energy, our free will, our, all of the things that we bring to it, or attunement with the guru, which of those is more important? Well, you might think, well, obviously, my own behavior, my own thoughts, reason, will, and activity, that's the primary thing. Well, if you think that way, you're wrong. Master, in fact, told us, gave us the mathematical formula for how wrong you are. You're three times wrong. It's three times more effective to attune our energy to God and guru than it is to think that we can get there on our own. Master said that our efforts represent 25% of the power to arrive at self-realization. That doesn't mean that we only get to give 25%. Everything that we can give into that attempt to get our raft to that shore of enlightenment, we have to do everything in our power that we can. But even doing that, even 100% of our effort is only 25% of the picture. Equal to our effort is 25% is, is provided by the grace of the guru. That's the connection, that's the path, that's the grace of the master and this path is equal, the grace coming from that is equal to all of the self-effort that we can do. And then God, his grace, provides the rest of the story, the other 50%. You know, Ramakrishna had a, a beautiful analogy. He said that um, 
if we're trying to move across the ocean of delusion, first of all, we have to untie our boat from the dock. And we have to then be good sailors. We have to raise the sails. We have to trim the, the, uh, the mast. We, or the, uh, we have to use the tiller. We have to do everything that we can. But he said that doing that, even doing that, doesn't provide anything unless there is the breeze of grace that blows us across the ocean. Then our part is to be good sailors, to sail properly so that we can move as efficiently across the ocean as possible. But the sailor sitting there day after day, swabbing the deck and pulling on the lines and raising the sails and moving them and trimming them and the captain at the tiller uh, directing, if they think that they're getting there under their own power, they're in delusion. It's the wind. It's the grace that's blowing them there. But if they don't raise the sails and do their job, the wind can blow all it wants, all it wants and will blow just as strongly, I should say. It's going to blow no matter what. But we have to try to catch that wind. We have to try to do our best to sail, but always understanding that it's God's grace, attunement with the guru, attunement with that wind, with that movement that is going to get us there. And so attunement to the will of the guru really is the whole of the spiritual path. Now, Master has given us four major techniques. And part of our practice of attunement is to practice what the guru says, that these, if you do these, these will help move you toward, um, toward enlightenment, toward self-realization. So he's given us energization and Kriya. Both of those work with the movement of prana, or subtle energies, in, in the body and in the spine. And so one could almost think of energization as Kriya applied to the body. And, and Kriya itself is Kriya applied to the consciousness and the life force. But they're both working with prana, the control of prana. Then he's given us Hong Sa, which is to focus and concentrate the mind. So that our job, even when we're on that raft, is as soon as we catch ourselves being caught by the waves of distraction, we say, oh, that's not what I want. I don't want to be distracted. Let me come back. So Hong Sa trains us to focus our mind and come back toward that desire to move toward union with God. And then finally, Om or looking into the light. These are the vibrations of God and attuning ourselves to that, focusing on that is what will bring us there. Master defined meditation as deep concentration on God or on one of the aspects of God, one of the eight aspects. One of those is light, another is sound. So after 
the practice of our techniques to focus on the light, to focus on the sound of Om, to, to try to attune ourselves to that. If we can hold our consciousness with that, then we will begin to experience the real state of meditation, which is deep concentration on that. And if we can hold on that long enough, we will begin to not just focus on it, but we will begin to feel that we are that light. If you look into the light of meditation, a light in the spiritual eye, if you can see it, any light that you can see there, after the practice of techniques, concentrate on that and try to feel that you're dissolving all of the separation, all of the ego into that light. If you can hold that practice for a little while, you'll begin to feel not only are you seeing that light, but you're becoming that light. And that will dissolve the ego. The same with sound. You know, we have these different things that were sometimes we're more attuned to one aspect than another. Same with listening to the inner sounds, the Om. And so we have techniques, especially um, the second Kriya, that combines listening to the inner sounds of the chakras and seeing the light of that. And so after the practice of the techniques, just to listen to the sound and look into the light or do both of them together will bring you into a state where you begin to really open yourself to the master mariner coming and taking charge because that light will lead you. That sound will lead you. That's, the, that's what God is, that's how God is revealing himself to you. And so we can pray, reveal thyself, reveal thyself, but it's much more effective to when God is trying to reveal himself through light or through sound to quit praying. That just disturbs the mind at that point. If he's already there, already present and trying to reveal himself, stop calling, come to me, come to me and pay attention. He's in, He's inside your own head. So pay attention at that point and just let everything go and try to just be in that state. Absorb yourself, all desire, all yearning of your heart. As I started out, Sri Yukteswar said, without the love of the heart, without that desire, to get into that state, we can't take the first step. Well, once we're getting toward that state, then let all the desire of your heart flow into that, let me become one with thee, let me become one with thee. The more we do that, that's when master can really apply his 25%. Now he'll do it in other ways too. He'll help us find parking places. He'll help us um, all kinds of ways. God is constantly answering prayers. But the deeper prayer is to have that state of union with them. And then from that state, 
to reveal thyself and then that I may reveal thee to all. From that state of higher consciousness, then let us do our work. Let us have our relationships. Let us, because if we can stay in that attunement, then everything we do will be attuned to that. So I will reason if we stay in that state of attunement, the thoughts that come into our mind will be in tune with divine will, with God's will, and everything will turn out right. Sometimes it'll seem, boy, where did that idea come from? And sometimes the ideal, the idea that comes will seem counter-logical. Counter but gradually, if we learn to go with that attunement, we will find that things work out. Things just work out the way they should. You know, attunement, the tune of attunement, plays very softly. And so we have to, we have to stop the restlessness, stop the, I don't know, the just agitation and listen. It's, it's like going out. It's, it's a beautiful, relatively calm day here. Frankly, Davy and I are going to go out for a walk after Sunday service here. But if we're out and walking and talking and uh, kind of joking, but we're trying to listen for the breeze in the tree, through the trees, we have to stop. We have to be still. We have to be quiet. And then we can hear that, those gentler um, vibrations of the wind through the trees or even more subtle, we can hear Om in nature. So meditation is to help us stop, be calm, be attuned to God who's already present within us. And if we can do that, then the master mariner will take charge of our boat and drive us himself to the shore of union with him. But as I say, everything begins and ends with attunement. I'm going to read because uh, Master gave specific advice on how to do that. I'm going to end by reading this beautiful poem prayer, When I Am Only a Dream. Close your eyes, please, and listen deeply to these words because these are Master speaking directly to you. I come to tell you all of him and the way to encase him in your bosom and to, of the discipline that brings his grace. Those of you who have asked me to guide you to my beloved shore, I warn you through my silently talking mind or speak to you through a gentle significant glance or whisper to you through my love, or loudly dissuade you when you stray away from him. But when I shall become only a memory or a mental image or a silently speaking voice, when no earthly call will ever reveal my whereabouts in unplumbed space, when no shallow entreaty or stern stentorian command will bring from me an answer. 
I will smile in your mind. This is specific advice now for us. I will smile in your mind when you're right. And when you're wrong, I will weep through my eyes, dimly peering at you in the dark, and weep through your eyes, perchance. And I will whisper to you through your conscience, and I will reason with you through your reason, and I will love you through your love. When you are able no longer to talk with me, read my whispers from eternity. Eternally through it, I will talk to you. Unknown, I will walk by your side and guide you with invisible arms. And as soon as you know my beloved and hear his voice in silence, you will know me again more tangibly than you knew me on this earth plane. And yet, when I am only a dream to you, I will come to remind you that you too are not but a dream of my heavenly beloved. And when you know you are a dream, as I know now, we will be ever awake in him. God bless you. Thank you.
silence of soul.